0: You guys, let's listen up. We won a game yesterday. We win one today. That's two in a row. We win one tomorrow. That's called a winning streak. It has happened before. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. Me too, Lou. Me too. Welcome in and welcome back to the Running Hoops Podcast, brought to you by Super Chicks with locations in Utah, Texas, Nevada, Idaho. And coming soon to many other places, it's a great opportunity to try out the last true chicken sandwich. Stop by one of their stores today, or visit their website and look at their menu online at SuperChicks.com. And remember, that's Chicks with an X.com. All right, on this episode of the Run Hoops podcast, we will discuss the Ute sweep of the Bay Area schools, and we'll preview this week's games against the Arizona schools as the number two team in the country. Heads to Salt Lake City on Thursday night, followed by Arizona State on Saturday. But first, just a few news and notes. The NCAA Selection Committee released its top 16 seeds over the weekend. Arizona was the number three overall seed, making them a one seed. And UCLA was number 14 overall, making them a four seed. Now, Auburn did lose this week, so that would bump Arizona up one probably, at least for now. Oregon has landed a commitment from junior college guard Brennan Rigsby. He's a 6'4 wing and will have three years of eligibility. Rigsby played his high school ball at Wasatch Academy. Arizona remains atop the standings with a three-game lead in the loss column over both USC and UCLA, who are 2-3. and three. Oregon is currently in the fourth spot at 10-6, and six, and Colorado is in at fifth at 10-7. and seven. So it's a big week for both Oregon and Colorado as we head down the stretch here towards the Pac-12 championship. Oregon right now is on the outside looking in in the latest bracketology projections. I don't even know if they are among the first four out. They may even be among the next four out. So the Ducks with a lot of work left to do. And we'll get to where Utah sits after we get through the game recaps. And then finally, Michigan suspended Juwan Howard after he took a swing at Wisconsin assistant in the postgame handshake line. Ugly scene in that one, but Howard will now sit for the rest of the regular season. It has, of course, brought up some interesting conversations among coaches as far as is the handshake line necessary you know, what's that tradition all about? And, you know, it's interesting. You you watch these games and the winner very clearly wants to stay and talk and, oh, it's a nice game. And the loser typically wants to just, you know, brush right by him. Jay Drew, I think, asked Craig Smith about this in his weekly press conference. He says, you know, look, win or lose, you got to show some class. You got to shake the other guy's hand and say, hey, job well done, no matter what the result of the game is. And so from a Utah perspective, Craig Smith is – pro handshake line well let's get to the Stanford recap first it wasn't a pretty display of basketball on Thursday night in Palo Alto they won't be winning any beauty contests Utah scored just four points in the first six and a half minutes of gameplay and it felt like this may be another one of those nights where the Utes just didn't quite have it but on the bright side Stanford could never really pull away in this game leading by just seven at the half and having their largest lead only jump up to nine points. Now in the second half, the Utes just kept grinding, kept it close. Stanford would, would push it from six to eight, but kept it right in that range most of the second half. And then Stanford got stuck on 53 points for several minutes of gameplay in the second half and would go on to only score three points in the last five minutes of the game. Utah was down 54 to 50, and they had two big possessions. A steal by Gabe Madsen with a pass to Booth Gotch and a Brandon Carlson layup to tie it at 54. And then this happened. Madsen, three on the timer. Step back, guarded three. Good! He nailed it! Utah by three. And then a hero comes along. That's right. Gabe Madsen, the best shooting thrifter this side of the Mississippi, nailed a three to put the Utes up, and they never looked back. Hero. This is hero time, and Gabe Madsen came up big. Great call there, by the way, from the voice of the Utes, Bill Riley, and great singing there, obviously, by Mariah Carey. Probably the only time those two are going to be mentioned in the same sentence together, but... Credit to ESPN 700 and Bill for the audio on that call. It was part of a 10-2 run that helped Utah close the game out for the win for the running Utes on Thursday night. Brandon Carlson and Booth Gotch, you remember him? Those two paced the Utes with 13 points each, and Raleigh Wooster and Gabe Madsen both added 11 points, including Madsen's go-ahead 3 with 142 to go. Marco Anthony had 5 points and 12 rebounds, but more impressive than that, he absolutely shut down Harrison Ingram, the five-star Stanford freshman, holding him to just five points on two of five shooting. Now, for some context there, Ingram had been averaging double figures in five of his previous six games for the Cardinal. Utah also held Spencer Jones to five points, meaning that Jane Delaire was the only one of that kind of three-headed snake that we talked about heading into the game for Stanford that scored in double figures. He led them with 11. James Keefe also had 11 for Stanford. But Utah really did a nice job on Stanford studs in this game, really, really putting the clamps down on them. Outside of Booth Gotch, Utah didn't really have any point production from the bench, but lahat did come in and give them six boards off the bench, which was nice to see. Utah only had eight turnovers and forced 11 in the game, and they just kind of hung around in the second half. And then when the opportune time came... That's when they stepped up, they went out, played really good defense, and got the win. The win improved Utah to 10-16 on the year in 3 and 3-13 in Pac-12 play, and as mentioned, gave them their first road win of the season. And it was a big step forward for the young guys on this team, and I think that's the thing that I really, really liked about this win. Utah had been knocking on the door. For the last couple of weeks, they've played so many teams close, so many teams tough. UCLA, Colorado, the list goes on and on. They played a lot of teams tough, just couldn't quite break through. But in this game on this night, they were able to do it. And I think that really could propel them to finishing the season strong. And one of the things that we talked about last week was how, you know, the film sessions are always just a little bit better when you're doing that film study after a win versus after a loss. And look, this wasn't a pretty win. It was an ugly win. It was a rock fight. There's a lot of things that they can take away, but I'm sure that that film session on Friday was a lot smoother having won the game the previous night in Palo Alto, especially with both Cal and Arizona State having these breakthrough games that they had in wins last week that they weren't supposed to get. It was really important for Utah to get this win and keep them within striking distance of that 10 seed Potentially the 9 seed if things fall right, but at least for the 10 seed. So, fresh off a win over Stanford, the Utes then headed over to take on the Cal Bears and try to make it two in a row on the season and get that season sweep over the Bears in Haas Pavilion. This one went back and forth for the first 10 minutes of the game, and then Utah gained control, leading by as much as 12 at one point and held off a late rally from Cal, winning the game 60 to 58. This was a milk carton game for Utah in that they had several guys come off of the milk carton who'd been missing to play some big minutes and contribute. The bench guys scored 21 of Utah's 60 points in the game and made some big shots and big plays to help propel the Utes to victory. Utah was led by Marco Anthony, who had 13 points, and he was their only player in double figures, so that tells you that this really was an all-hands-on-deck type game. Carlson and Wooster both added eight points, and Raleigh also had seven rebounds. Gabe Madsen had just six points, but Craig Smith said in the postgame he just wasn't quite himself, was a little bit off. Marco Anthony also drew the assignment of guarding Jordan Shepard, and he held him to 10 points on two of seven shooting, and Shepard got six of his 10 points at at the free throw line. If there was some kind of defensive player of the week award in this league, Marco should get it. He drawing Harrison Ingram and then Jordan Shepard in back-to-back games and really shutting them down. I certainly hope he gets a look at the Pac-12 all-defensive team, which is going to be hard given that Utah is going to finish in the bottom four of the league. But Marco has often drawn that toughest defensive assignment week in and week out, and he's had a really big impact on the defensive end for this team, and he is a heck of a rebounder. Cal was led by Lars Thiemann, who had 16 points and 8 rebounds. It seemed to be a little bit intentional on the part of the Utes to let him get his, which I think most of us would say going in, look, if if that guy's the guy that leads them in scoring, then there's a good chance Utah wins. Cal only had 6 guys score in this game, and Utah did a really nice job against Shepard as I mentioned, and Grant Antisevich, who had just eight, very quiet eight, Jordan Brown, who was a guy that was improving and really becoming an impact player, and Makai Foreman, who historically has played well against the Utes, he had zero points. Here's a little bit of a wild stat, though. Utah was out-rebounded in both of these games, but they managed to win both of the games. Utah was 2 of 14 from the three against Cal, and Cal was 3 of 16 from beyond the arc, That draws a big woof from this guy right here. The win gave Utah its second in a row, and after the weekend, they doubled their Pac-12 win total, jumping from two to four. They're now 11-16 on the season, 4-13 in league play, and as of this moment, would be in a 7-10 matchup with Washington State, who blitzed them twice this season. Now, Washington State plays Washington, twice this week, who is in the sixth spot just ahead of them and a game ahead of them. So that Washington-Washington State series is going to have a significant impact on the six and seven spots in the Pac-12 tournament in the standings and who Utah may draw in a seven to 10 or six and 11 type game. The biggest question mark and concern coming out of this game was Brandon Carlson, who once again left the game with an injury. To his ankle. If Brandon didn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all. Or some somehow the saying goes, right? Craig said in the post game that the good news is is that Brandon has previously had ankle injuries, so there's at least some belief that maybe he could bounce back from it. Uh, on Monday's coaches show, there was no update, but Craig did say in his weekly press conference that they were t- taking it slow, holding him out. You know, obviously, he wants to go out there and play. Kid's a competitor. He's tough as nails. I think he's proven that throughout the season. But, you know, obviously, with three games to go and then a push into the Pac-12 tournament, they're probably trying to be at least careful and judicious in how they handle this injury over the next few weeks. Now, let me just say one thing about Cal. When you think about some of the biggest mysteries of all time, the Loch Ness Monster, the Bermuda Triangle, Bigfoot, Roswell... I think we can also add Cal beating Oregon by 14 on the road to that list. I have no earthly idea how that happened. We talked last week about how those seats in the Bay Area might be warm. Well, this weekend didn't help, and they play each other, so someone's going 0-3 in their last three, that's for sure. For the Utes, they've got just three games remaining on the season, all at home, and we'll preview the first two of them against Arizona and Arizona State right after these words from one of our sponsors. Hey everyone, I wanna talk to you about your sleep. How are you sleeping? Not good? It might be your pillows. Let me tell you about Pillow Fight. Pillow Fight helps you invest in your rest. I can't tell you how many pillows my wife and I have been through in our marriage. What I can tell you is that we may have found the solution. I've been using Pillow Fight's pillows for only about a week, 10 days now, and I gotta tell you, they are fantastic. I don't wake up with neck pain, feels like I fall asleep easier, and I wake up feeling rested, ready in the morning to entertain you all on this podcast and on Twitter. Visit their website at pillow-fight.com and check out their products. Listeners of this podcast will get a 10% discount at checkout by using the promo code Utes. Don't lose another night's sleep trying to afford a good night's rest. Visit pillow-fight.com. That's pillow-fight.com. All right, well, two of the hottest teams in the Pac-12 lock horns on Thursday night in the John M. Huntsman Center as Arizona comes to town on an eight-game winning streak and Utah comes in on a two-game winning streak. Both teams enter this game on a winning streak, so they are virtually identical. Am I right? Arizona is 24-2 on the season, having lost at Tennessee and at UCLA. That's it. That's the list. They're 14-1 in league play and they are closing in on clinching the number one seed in the Pac-12 tournament. They're also ranked number two in the country, number two in the net, number three in Ken Palm, so a little disappointing there. They're fourth in the country in points per game at 84.8. They're sixth in rebounding at 43.1. They're second in assists at 20 per game. In other words, this is one of the best and most complete teams that has walked into the John M. Huntsman Center in years, or at least... I would imagine. I've actually obtained some audio of Craig Smith's pregame speech heading in to Thursday night. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Well, I don't know about you, but that fires me up. I'm ready to go. When these two teams last played in Tucson, Arizona won... 82-64. 82-64. You may remember though that at any given point leading up to that game Arizona was a 19 to 21 point favorite and Ballstat got a layup late in the game to give Utah a cover which was probably a bad beat for somebody out there. I suspect that Arizona's coming into this game on Thursday night anywhere from a 16 to 20 point favorite again over the running Utes. When they played last time Azulis Tobelis had 32, Coloco had 16, he had a block party inside, and Ben Matherin, who figures to be the player of the year in the league, only had 11. Utah was led by Booth Boothgotch, who had 12, and both Lahat and Deshaun had 10 each, and each also had one too small gesture on Coloco, which was, how do you say, embarrassing. Brandon Carlson didn't play in this first matchup, so that would make some difference for the running Utes, and obviously Deshaun is gone. But this is going to be an incredibly tough test for the running Utes, even at full strength. Plus, kirk didn't play for the Wildcats in the first meeting either, so there's a bit of a trade-off there. This game also marks the return of former Ute Pella Larson, who transferred to Arizona after just one season at Utah. Pella had just five points in the first game against the Utes, but has really come on in the last few weeks, and now he's averaging around seven points per game. And he's even been talked about as the sixth man of the year candidate in the Pac 12. I suspect Tommy Lloyd's gonna look to get Pella some early looks and some early minutes in this game, in what I'm sure they consider to be some kind of revenge game, although that's funny. I think Pella would be Utah's leading scorer if he had stayed, and the team would be doing a lot better. So I don't think there's a lot of a lot to get revenge for. It's not like Utah cut him, but Nevertheless, athletes use whatever motivation they can. This is one of those games that presents an interesting opportunity for Utah. When you think about this road swing, you know that Colorado is going to be a hostile environment. And you know that Utah is a bottom four team in the Pac-12. So does Arizona take Utah seriously in this game? Does Utah have Arizona's full attention? I suspect they do. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Arizona maybe struggled out of the gate. Against Utah came out a little bit sluggish, took shots that maybe they wouldn't necessarily take because they're a heavy favorite in this game, and they're going to sweep all the postseason awards, and they're very close to clinching the number one seed in the conference tournament. So does this team have the focus necessary to go out and, right from the jump, play well in Salt Lake City on a Thursday night? Perhaps Utah can go out there and take it to them early like they did in Tucson, You know, you'll recall they led for most of the first half. They trailed by three at halftime. And I think with about 12 minutes to go or so, Utah was still right in there before Arizona pulled away and pushed it out to 18 points. This game will tip on Fox Sports 1 at 9 p.m., so it's another killer game time. Even so, it's not often that a top-two team walks into your building, and we know they're having trouble bringing in good opponents outside of their conference. So this is definitely one that Utah fans are going to want to attend and is worthy of your time and attention. Plus they're doing the USS Salt Lake city thing with their uniforms and all of that stuff. So I think that'll probably be pretty cool. Now I suspect that Marco Anthony is going to draw the assignment against Ben Matherin and Raleigh Wooster is going to get Kirk Harissa Carlson and Lahat. If Carlson plays would get Christian Coloco and Omar Balo but the big problem here is Azula Tubellis. There's really nobody on the Ute team that matches up that well against him. And I think one, the one chance that they have is if Arizona settles for some outside shots and just has an off night. If Arizona's driving to the hoop and getting easy baskets, could be a long night for the running Utes. Now, on the flip side, Utah needs to be lights out from the three and somehow get Arizona in foul trouble, which that's going to be a challenge. They go about eight deep, but what are you going to do? Ken Palm has this as a win for Arizona at 82-69, and Haslam Metrics gives it to the Cats 79-66. So the running Utes certainly have a tall task ahead of them on Thursday night, but that, as they say, is why they play the games. Now, Utah then will entertain the Arizona State Sun Devils in another late-night game on Saturday night. Arizona State is currently 10-16 and 6-11 in the Pac-12. Of the four teams that are in that bottom four quadrant in the Pac-12, they are the only one that Utah is currently looking up at in the standings. I'm not sure that the running Utes can actually catch Arizona State based on head-to-head wins, all of that stuff. Even if they beat them on Saturday night, Utah would still essentially have to win out and Arizona State would either have to lose out or only win one more game. Even so, that seems unlikely given that they host Cal and they host Stanford. You would think that of their final four, they've got at least one win on the schedule. But maybe the Cal team that beat Oregon on the road shows up and beats Arizona State in Tempe in a few weeks. I don't know. Nevertheless, this is certainly a winnable game for Utah. The first time these two teams met in Tempe, Arizona State escaped with a two-point win, 64-62. Utah led in this game, by three with both three minutes and two minutes left to play, but they could not hang on. And if you'll remember on, that, on the podcast that we reviewed this game, we kind of walked through that final sequence where maybe Utah should have fouled or, or whatever, but it was certainly right there for the taking and Utah just couldn't grab it like they did against Stanford, like they did against Cal, just couldn't grab it and get the win. Utah was led by David Jenkins Jr. who had 14 and Desan Mahorsic, who had 12, so there's not a whole lot we can glean from the offensive performance last time. Arizona State continues to be led by DJ Horn and Kamani Lawrence, but Marion Jackson has really played well over the last few games and Jalen Graham, who was a problem for the Utes last time, figures to be a problem for the Utes again this time. This was another game that Carlson missed last time, so having him back would make a huge difference. For Utah, and obviously Madsen and Stefanovic having improved since the last time they played is certainly a wrinkle that Arizona State hasn't seen just yet. For the Sun Devils, this is going to be their fifth game in eight or nine days. So Utah would probably be wise to get out maybe try to run a little bit early on, see if they can't get out to a big lead, and maybe tire Arizona State out, get those legs working a little bit more. Either way, they're going to need to rebound the ball well and force Arizona State into one-and-done possessions. I watched the Arizona State-UCLA game. Arizona State really did a nice job in that game of making second-chance possessions for, themse- for themselves count and you know, getting a loose ball, getting a rebound, hitting a three. DJ Horn was big in that game. That game was close for a long time, but then they ran out of gas and, and UCLA won. The one thing I will say about Arizona State, though, is... This is not a very disciplined team. They will take bad shots. They will make bad plays. They will turn the ball over. And that's what you've got to force them to do if you're Utah. Especially, again, early on in this game, try to jump out on them and really, really make it difficult for them to come back in this game. Ken Palm gives this one to the Utes, 69-65. And Haslam Metrics gives it to the Utes, 68-63. We talked a few weeks ago about What the Utes needed to do to close out the regular season strong essentially getting a split in their last couple of series to get to five and 15. Well, with the sweep of the Bay Area schools, they're slightly ahead of that pace. And so that fifth win could come this week, either on Thursday in a miracle or on Saturday night, which would give them an opportunity at six wins when the Buffs come to town. So certainly a lot for these guys to play for down the stretch. A lot of optimism building around this program. A lot of positivity after the the wins over the last weekend. But we're winding down. It's kind of hard to believe just three games left this season. And all three of them are at home, though. So get out and support this team and cheer on your Utes. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Running Hoops podcast. I want to thank you for listening, as always, and having a little fun with us here on the podcast this week please give us a follow on twitter at running hoops download our episodes rate review i know you can do that on most podcast platforms i'm not totally sure how it works on some of them but give us a rating give us a review if you can tell your friends retweet whatever you got to do but until next time i'm andrew Crowley. this is the running hoops podcast and as always go use.